0: Welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Talks podcast, everybody. This is your host, Joe Ogden again. And this week we are joined by Brady O'Rourke, who's a speech therapist. And she recently just moved down to Nashville and she also owns her own practice. So uh, super excited to have Brady on with us today. Brady, thank you.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: So fun fact about Brady, she actually was in our wedding. Um, <laughs> she is good friends with uh, my wife, um, which is how I know Brady. But. Um, Brady's actually in a really interesting part of her career. She just started her own practice a year ago or a little over a year ago now, right? Brady? A little over a year
1: ago. Yeah. It's been a crazy journey and it's all happened really fast, but it's been amazing. And I've learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes so far.
0: Brady, tell everybody what you just did.
1: Um, well, I just moved from Illinois to Nashville. Is that After what you're talking about? <laughs>
0: establishing a business and then Brady and her sister, uh, just pick up and move to, a brand new state, everything.
1: Yes. Yes. I don't know if that was a good idea or not. We're still going to figure that out, but it's been exciting so far. But yeah, I have everything pretty established in Illinois. I have a team there of like over 15 SLPs. And then, um, yeah, I'm like, okay, let's move to Nashville and try to do it all again here.
0: Brady, let's back up just a little bit. I don't want to assume that everyone knows what speech therapy is. Let's start, start there. I mean, what is speech therapy? What do you do for a living.
1: We could probably do a whole podcast just on that. (laughs) There's so much that we do. um, And there's a lot of different routes that you can kind of take as a speech therapist. But I primarily work with like the pediatric population. um, And I do more of like the educational side of things, not necessarily a lot of medical, but there's speech speech therapists in schools and in hospitals, nursing homes, kind of everywhere in between. But my practice specifically um, provides in-home speech therapy for children and then their families are really involved. So that's a lot of fun. So we work a lot um, with children with special needs, children with autism. We also just work with some young kids who are just those quote unquote late talkers. Um, Sometimes if children have difficulty saying different sounds. We work on that. We also do some feeding therapy, which is really interesting. And more of that like medical side, um, working on like chewing and swallowing and learning how to incorporate different foods into their diet. So it's kind of a lot. We also do like reading and education type things too. So it's a a wide range.
0: And you've been out of school now since is it 2021? Yes how did you get to owning your own practice so because i did my when you I, know 2 years ago we just graduated now i mean you, i know it's like you've really exploded
1: Thank you. Yeah. So I graduated right before I graduated, I had to do internships. So one of my internships was in a preschool, and I always thought I would work in a school. I liked the idea of having my own practice one day, but I figured that was way far off and I needed a lot of experience first. And then I ended up working for a private practice for my second internship because it was during COVID. So they wouldn't let us into hospitals. So I didn't get to do a medical internship, but I feel like that was a blessing in disguise because I got to see the whole private practice side of things. And I I fell in love with that and I loved that I got to work with clients one-on-one and families were really involved and I just loved everything about it so then after I graduated I continued to work for that private practice for a while and then eventually kind of went off on my own Um, and that kind of just propelled me forward but that's now, how I got into
0: that now you're in a brand new state
1: starting over kind of <laughs>
0: you got your license yet
1: no. And that's been such a hassle. Um, I've been working on it. I have to, like, take a test. I had to get fingerprinted. I have to get my transcripts sent. Like, you would think I'm trying to get out of jail or something.
0: <laughs> the joys of, I think, all states, I think, of just getting your license for every Anybody that needs a license, I think, is ridiculous how long it takes, especially transferring from state to state. Yeah.
1: So it's been kind of that's kind of unique too, like moving to a new place almost without a job. But luckily, my practice in Illinois is kind of carrying me through. So I'm still kind of working on that. And it's kind of been a nice break where I'm able to really work on the business side of things during this time while I'm waiting for my license. And then I am seeing a couple clients through teletherapy still back in Illinois. Um, I can do that for 30 days until (laughs) I need my license.
0: here. So, So, I mean, tell everybody you know, kind of what private practice is and what you're doing, especially now that now you live six hours, seven hours away from, you know, where you just lived not that long ago.
1: Yeah. So my practice is called Braxy Speech Therapy and it is... Uh, in-home speech therapy. So we don't have a physical location. I would love to open up a clinic one day, but honestly the huge draw for a lot of families is the fact that we come to their home. And that is, I think something very unique about us. And it's really helpful because it makes the therapy very natural and functional because we just blend into whatever that family's doing at their time. If it's around like dinner time or snack time, then we'll sit with the family and do therapy at the dinner table. Or if siblings are there, that's not a problem. We want them there because that is what their life is like versus sometimes I think in a clinic setting, you get very structured. And then once you leave those clinic doors, it's like, okay, but how do we do this at home? So I think providing therapy in home has been really fun and very functional. And that's kind of the whole motto of Braxy speech therapy is providing very functional and meaningful play-based and child-led therapy.
0: Do you have, are you in schools too, or are you just at home?
1: I do kind of a combination. I also have contracted myself into schools, um, and then I've also contracted some other speech paths into schools. So that was something I never really thought I was going to do either, but my mom is actually a speech therapist. And so when I was a baby, her and my dad had a contract company where they did that for speech therapists. So I always knew that was a thing, but I never saw myself doing that. But while I was trying to build up my caseload, because that can take some time, I was like, I need something consistent. So I contracted myself into a school and I actually enjoyed it a lot more being contract rather than working for schools directly. Um, And so I've done that and then also hired some other people to do the same thing. So I feel like I kind of do a little bit of everything, which is I'm learning a lot by doing that.
0: Well, something that I think is super interesting, you know, following you on social media, it seems like schools are in desperate, desperate need of for sure speech therapists, because you share that information, but I'm sure it's more than just speech therapy. Like it was mind blowing for a while, like how much you were sharing and how many schools were looking for somebody.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually very alarming and it makes me scared for like my future children that what schools are turning into. But um, yeah, there's so many jobs. A lot of schools are turning to teletherapy even, which I have mixed feelings about that. I think that's great that we have that option. But I also think some of these kids, especially like our self-contained autism classrooms, um, they really need someone in person. And I think they just really benefit from that. There are a lot of kids that do great with teletherapy, but it's not for everyone. Um, but yeah, schools are getting really desperate and, you know, an IEP is a legal document that they have to fulfill. And so they have to figure out how to do that. And schools are really willing to pay pretty big bucks to get someone if they can't find them on their own. So it's, it's been a really good opportunity, but, um, yeah, it's, it's concerning how, how much of a need there is, but it's good job security for us.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Now when you're contracted into a school, who's paying you the school? So, or the yeah. The, the
1: district pays me, okay. um, but I'm employed by myself. So it's kind of nice. It's, helps for like a really good work-life balance. Like I'm there, my contracted hours and at four o'clock, let's say that's when my contract's done. Like I close my laptop and I am done, which I feel like that's a struggle for teachers and everyone in the helping professions, but especially in schools. So if you come in early, like you get to, you get paid for that extra time. Um, but also if you're sick or something, then you don't get paid. So there's definitely pros and cons Mm -hmm. to it.
0: And now are you going to try and do the same thing now that you're in Nashville?
1: Um, Hopefully in Nashville, I'm just doing private practice. Like that's really where my heart is, I think. But I think it's a very good option to fill some of those gaps if I, depending on how long it takes me to build up a full client schedule. So We'll see. Are you, just
0: in, are you just in Tennessee and Illinois?
1: Yes, and then I do have one therapist. She's in Idaho. I went to undergrad with her, but she does teletherapy for clients in Illinois. She still has her Illinois license. So
0: got it. Okay. Yeah. So it seems like you have a ton of people that work for you.
1: Yeah, I think I have around fifteen right now. It kind of ebbs and flows, and they're all pretty part time. Um, like I have one person who just wants to see one client, and I'm like, "That's great. That's one client off a wait list." So it's kind of, that's kind of the beauty of what I try to provide for my team is you get to make it whatever you want. You only have to take clients that you feel comfortable or passionate about treating, you don't, versus in a school, you have to treat whoever's on your caseload. And I don't think that's always best for the client, family, or therapist. So I kind of try to give a lot of freedom with that and it works out for everyone involved, I think.
0: Yeah. And how, I mean, when I think of speech therapy, I just think of like, you know, in school or- Mm -hmm you know, mom and dad are, are, you know, choosing to, you know, do more outside of school where, I mean, in school to me, it seems like a pretty closed door referral source. Mm-hmm. How are you getting patients or yeah, like what's the typical, good. you know, or do doctors, I mean, directly refer to you as well?
1: Um, sometimes. Yeah. Usually for like the young ones, if they're not talking like those late talkers, sometimes they will say like, Hey, we're recommending speech therapy. Okay. Um, and then a lot of times it's families like their child is getting speech in school, but they just want something a little bit more. So then they will reach out to me. Um, But also we get some families sometimes because schools are very strict on what qualifications you have to meet in order to be qualified, because otherwise their caseloads would be, you know, crazy and not they wouldn't have the staff to do that. So they do have to have like some things in place. So sometimes I've had kids that come to me, even from like early intervention through the state, they were like 1% off from qualifying. And the parents are like, there has to be like, what if there was an error? What if, you know, something happened and like, we still think they need speech. So that's kind of nice in private practice. You kind of have the freedom to make like your own clinical judgments and say like, yeah, I do think that, you know, your child would benefit from speech therapy. Obviously insurance kind of puts a little bit more pressure on that, but you still have a lot of freedom to do what you think is best without all like the red tape of schools and IEPs, which I like.
0: I mean, speaking of insurance, I mean, I think to me, insurance is something we shy away from. It's kind of that uh, behind closed door conversation that no one likes to talk about. And I think it does interfere with our job a little bit sometimes. Mm -hmm. Whereas like for me as a physical therapist, you come in, you have an injury. I'm like, okay, this is impacting your functional status. I'm then going to fill out my evaluation, send to the insurance company. like, yes, Brady needs therapy because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then they reimburse accordingly. If someone just based on your example, like misses that IEP by, you know, just a couple points, what more do you have to justify to the insurance company for them to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, they can for sure need treatment, even though we both know that they probably do need treatment.
1: Right. The only thing that's a little bit tricky with insurance is sometimes they say, well, you have to prove medical necessity. And sometimes what we're doing is more academic based rather than medically based. But there are ways to say, you know, well, this could impact them medically if you can't understand them and they're in an accident or they need to call 911 and the person on the other end of the line can't understand them, you know, things like that. I think it's kind of more so how you phrase things um, and then looking at like the functional impact of it. But it is a challenge for sure. And then we also have families that just opt to do private pay, too, if that's the case.
0: Now, when you're in um, Tennessee and you're doing telehealth, I mean, do you find that's beneficial even though you can't physically be there in person obviously i'm sure you're picking and choosing you know who that for.
1: yeah we have um i have a couple families that really love teletherapy and it just is easier on their schedule and um some families that you know have children with special needs it's a lot to you know, pack everybody up in the car, drive them to here, drive them to there when they have all these different therapies. And so for some kids, they do great with it. There's a lot of really good like teletherapy activities that keep them really engaged. And I feel like kind of coming up with my internships during COVID, I learned a lot about teletherapy and how to do it effectively. So I feel like it's great for some kids, but I don't recommend it for everybody. And I'm very upfront with parents about that, but it is a nice option that we have it.
0: Now, does everyone that you have, uh, that works for you, do they do telehealth too, or do you pick and choose too who can you? Um,
1: Yeah. If they have family, if we have families that are interested in it, a lot of times I don't find that many families seeking private therapy. A lot of Mostly they're looking for in-person, um, but I do have a couple on my team that are doing teletherapy too. So it just kind of varies. And I always tell people like when I'm hiring, I'm like, we may have no one today looking for teletherapy, but tomorrow I could have five people reach out. So it just kind of depends. And kind of back to your question, I don't know if I fully answered, like how I get clients is mostly through social media. So I'm in all the moms groups in the area, even though I'm not a mom. Thank <laughs> um, you. Liz. but I'm in all of them in like all the surrounding towns. And then I am just kind of in there watching the posts. And if I see someone like, oh, we're looking for a speech therapist, I just kind of comment and help answer questions. And that kind of gets my name out there a lot.
0: It's I mean, to me, it's been, you know, cool to watch. I feel like this idea just kind of came like that. Mm -hmm. Boom, you're off and rolling. And now, I mean, you seem to be just crushing it. It like to the point you. where I don't know how you manage.
1: I don't know either, and it's funny people will like ask me like, "How did you do this?" or "How did you get there?" And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like, I think it was one of those things. Like, I wasn't fully ready, and I just it just started happening. And it's like, well, you have to figure it out because you have clients calling and parents calling, and it's happening. So, oh, I have, now I have a wait list, and now I need to hire someone, and it just kind of rolled. And, and I think my motto too with hiring people is like, I really want it to be a flexible position and I want it to be whatever they want it to be and a very positive experience and I want them compensated for like what our worth is and I think a lot of jobs don't do that and I think a lot of these bigger companies get really greedy and that's one thing like I've told my family I'm like if I ever get greedy like someone needs to put me in my place but I feel like that attracts a lot of really good speech therapists and keeps them around because they enjoy their job and they're compensated
0: really well. But I'm not sure how it works for speech therapy. I know physical therapy, this is a hot topic because I, I mean, I agree with it. I think a lot of big corporations really take advantage of the therapist mm-hmm. or provider, but at the same token, the provider is not doing their research to really understand, okay, how much are we getting reimbursed? Right. How much am I actually bringing in? And I think it's a you know a tough conversation. And with physical therapy, I'm not sure how it is for speech. So it would be interesting, you know, because you see things from, you know, the reimbursement side too, you know, reimbursement just keeps going down and down and down. And Mm -hmm. my boss, I've never thought about it. Healthcare is the only, um, one of the only fields that the more experienced you are, the less you actually make in the long run. You know, if you have a lawyer who's got 30 years of experience, you're gonna be paying a lot hourly services. I'm not sure if speech follows the same thing or not.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I have heard different companies say, oh, well, once you work here for a year, you know, you get a raise. And I tell my therapist, I said, unless insurance somehow comes up with this crazy raise, like I'm already paying you the maximum amount that I can. So it doesn't matter if you work for me for five years, like I can't offer you anymore because I'm already giving you that from the start. And that's just the model that I've chosen. But you're Right. It is really hard and nobody really understands the behind the scenes part. Um, And I didn't and I still don't fully. But it's it's a lot. And you're right. It's not always fair. And I know your codes, I think, are timed. Ours are not. So that plays a role, too, in like the business aspect of things. And even Illinois to Tennessee, the rates are different here than they are in Illinois. So I feel like I'm going to have to restructure, you know, my whole model here because i can't offer the same amount that i was offering at home because it's just different
0: and i think people have to realize too without you having a like a home base that number probably goes way up yeah and it, i mean to me it, it from a business one and we can talk about this after too because you don't have to give all away your secrets
1: <laughs>
0: but to me it's genius how you how you have set this up the way it looks like on paper is is here see as many people as you want mm-hmm. when we get paid and reimbursed you will get reimbursed accordingly if you want to see a million people great if you want to see two people fine yeah it's basically a, a low risk high reward for everybody
1: right yeah and i and that's pretty much what it is I, it's almost like they are doing their own private practice yeah But without all the work, like I'm doing all the tough behind the scenes and I'm paying for the systems and all of that. So it runs smoothly. I've done that work, but they get to make all the decisions. If they cancel a session, they don't have to call me and tell me about it like that's on them. I don't require makeups. I know a lot of clinics and places are like, well, you have 30 days to do that makeup session. And if not, you know, there's a penalty and all these different things. And I'm like, it's your client and it's your like finances. So you do with that how you will. And I just trust that my team will make good decisions. And luckily everybody has
0: so far. So now do you do, are you doing your own payroll?
1: Um, I actually hire my sister to do my payroll for me, but yes, I like oversee that.
0: Now, how does it work? You know, because, you know, I get paid Mm bi-weekly. A lot of places do. There's a couple physical therapy models that I know of pay you, I believe monthly essentially it's just that lump sum 38 but it you know it varies a little bit how mm-hmm. do you structure it because like yes. sometimes like our reimbursement takes like a month because yeah. it's so backlogged
1: yeah yeah and it does for me too and like i that's the thing too i never really realized with school contracts and insurance is everything's always delayed like you're always behind it doesn't matter even i thought like okay over winter break like schools will catch up no like i'm always so behind and so i do have to like front The bill for that basically, because I do pay my staff every two weeks. They get paid on like payrolls the first and the 15th of every month. So luckily I did school contracts and that kind of helped me like get on my feet so that I do have like a nice cushion. But there was a while where I, like when I first started, I remember like telling my sister, like, wait till tomorrow to do payroll, because I don't know if we're going to have enough money. Like, and it was really scary, but it was like, we had, the money was coming, but I didn't know when. And so I feel like now I have a good cushion, but, um, with moving and now that I'm not really working full time, like now I'm getting a little nervous and they have loans and stuff for that but um it that's for sure hard as a business owner because you're not really always prepared for that
0: that's i think the tricky part too i mean the money will come it's just a matter of when sometimes you know for those transactions Mm -hmm. but i feel like when you have other people relying on you regardless of the situation you don't have a choice it has to be ready today not tomorrow
1: Yeah, and I'm I'm so like happy that I can write these great checks to people whenever like I see what's going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome that like I'm their employer and like I get to provide this to them and like make sure that their family has you know food on the table where they can go on vacation because they're working this extra job after school or something. But then it's also like when I see those numbers, I'm like, oh my gosh, how how is this happening? Like, where is this money coming from? Right. But I. The money does come; it's just very delayed.
0: No, I think you asking people like you know what advice would you give someone? I think starts to get really cliche, especially Mm -hmm. with social media and like how much access is out there. But I really think you give the perfect example and um, perspective of this because we've talked like you just started and now all of a sudden it. I think it. It's almost like you put gasoline on a fire once it was (laughs) going; it just kind of kept blowing up. Yeah. If you could give someone else advice or even look back and give your own self advice. And if you were going to redo something or change something for someone that wants to open their own practice or start something new, what would you tell them?
1: Um, a couple things. I think the first thing is a lot of people feel like, and I thought that that you have to have, you know, at least five to 10 years of experience first, because, you know, how how could you ever just start a practice right out of school? That's what everybody thinks. But like, we worked hard in school, you know, like we had, you had to get your doctorate, I had to get my master's, like that. We learned a lot and there's always more to learn, but like you are a professional. Just because you work for five years doesn't mean, you know, you are better. Yeah, you have more experience, but you can still open a practice and then continue learning along the way. So I don't think you have to wait. I also think finding someone who has done it and kind of like having them as a mentor or being able to answer questions. Like I found some really good people in um, like Facebook groups and some that actually went to Eastern where I went to school. And that was really helpful just to be like, hey, what do I do on this insurance claim? Like very simple things, but it's like it would have taken me hours to figure it out. Out, and they can answer it in a couple minutes. Um so I think that's really helpful too. And then also just knowing that you don't have to have it all figured out, like you don't have to have all the answers, but you will get there and you will figure it out.
0: How many because I saw you posted this the other day you're in you know like a business um probably speech therapist group. How many mm-hmm. people are in that group because I mean I find that stuff to be super interesting.
1: Um, I'm in a couple, I'm in some just for speech therapists, and then I'm in some just for like private practice owners. Um, there's like thousands, I would say there's a lot of people I can, I can of, send it to you.
0: <laughs> now, I think it's interesting too. Like your mom has been in a school her whole career pretty much, right? Yes. yes. And now you've gone a completely different direction. I mean, how much has she helped probably both help push you along as well as kind of pr- maybe show you too, like, Oh, I probably don't want to do some of that, but she just does it, you know, cause that's what she does.
1: Yeah, like she's been a to help too. she loves the school aspect and she's got it down pat versus for me coming out of college going into that. I was like, whoa, this is so overwhelming. Like, I think I'm going to get burnt out.
0: Because I'm I sure don't you guys had plenty of conversations me. about, you know, the pros and cons of, you know, mom, I, I, I hate this. And she's like, no, I love, you know, love it. Yeah. Perspective. Right.
1: Yeah. And she is kind of like, I don't know how you do what you do type of thing. Like she yeah. I'm like, do you want to take a client? And she's like, not really like But she's she's about to retire in four years. So she's kind of like just very content where she's at. And she's amazing at what she does. And she like that's the thing. Not everybody wants to do the same thing. So I think that's what's nice. We need the people in the schools. We need the people in private practice. We need the people in the hospitals like everybody can have their own. Thing. And, but yeah, she's been very supportive and she helped me a lot, I would say, in grad school, even just like giving me perspective and confidence. And then my dad's been very helpful too. He is more like that business side, which I have no business experience. So I had no idea what I was doing. And he would bring up things like, oh, well, did you get workman's comp insurance? I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> you know, all these different things. And so he's been really helpful with that side because I had no idea where to start with that.
0: And I feel I think you would agree on this, just listening to what you said. And I feel very passionately about this one. It would take a very strong argument to get me off this. To run a business successfully, in my opinion, you just have to do it. The only way you're going to learn is you have to make mistakes. I mean, I go through that stuff all the time. Yes, you could go to school and be like, okay, I need to understand the basic concepts. But to actually put those into practice, I think you just have to go and do it. And if you mess up, you mess up.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what it is and it's very scary and I think a lot of us are like perfectionists and we like I remember the first time I submitted an insurance claim I was like what if I go to like jail for like insurance fraud like I don't know what I'm doing and then I talked to some people who do insurance and they're like if anything it's going to get denied and then you'll fix it like you're not you're not committing fraud like if anything you just missed a box and I'm like okay you're right like I'm doing ethical things I'm all good. And I think that's what you just have to know like nobody has it all figured out and I think there's a lot of really helpful people out there that are willing to share what they do and answer questions. And that's, that's been amazing to see in these Facebook groups and people aren't really like, Oh, well, good luck. I'm not telling you that. I really haven't found that people are very open,
0: which is helpful. That's what I've noticed too. And sometimes I think, and you know, my small business on the side is obviously completely different than what I do for a living. It's not my living, but sometimes I think you have to sift through that a little bit get through the layers a little bit, but there are people that will help A for free. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay all this money. And two, I think just genuine, nice people that want to see other people succeed in all, you know, you can take that, I think to any business.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I mean, that's another point too, is I think you do have to really be willing to invest in yourself though, in your business. Like when I started, I paid, I think it was like over a thousand dollars for this course. And it was created by an SLP and it was like how to start your own practice. And I kind of felt like I was crazy. I was like, I'm really gonna, I just graduated. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I have a thousand dollars to do this, but I was like, I think it's going to be worth it. I'm just going to do it. And it totally was because that's what got me started. Like you have to have some groundwork. You can't just go in blindly, but, um, investing in yourself and investing in other people, I think is, is very helpful.
0: I think investing too in like the framework is super important. Once mm-hmm. the framework's there, the rest of it you can put together. I mean, there's a physical therapists that do it all the time that I've paid for and looked at their stuff and I think it's really good. But once they have that stuff there, it's up to you, I think, to maximize that investment that you just made on yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to keep keep going with that too like as i've grown now i've hired um, a virtual assistant i've been working with her for a couple months and that has been like a huge game changer because she has taken so much off my plate because you're one person and you physically can't do it all and she's put a lot of systems in place and like now we have this whole onboarding workflow that she created and it's like oh my gosh there was an easier way to be doing this but You know, did I do it before and it worked fine? Yeah, but like we're we're growing and we're evolving and it's getting a lot smoother. So I think being willing to you know pay and put money out there really brings a lot more money in in return.
0: That seems to be the ticket now. Is the onboarding process? Those who have perfected it are selling it Mm -hmm. and essentially uh, thinking of every uh, possible problem that someone could have onboarding and having that all in your software. That the onboarding process and be the content creation with just how much is out there now. And I don't think there's some people that are really good at it, but I think that algorithm is constantly changing. I don't know how anyone actually stays on top of it.
1: No. (laughs) And it's like making reels and stuff like that, like that could be a full-time job in itself. Like that is so much work. I prefer just to like get on stories and talk for a couple minutes and then be like, watch me if you want. I don't know. (laughs) Reels are a lot.
0: And I, I mean, I can't be on my phone for that long. Like, I don't know. How, I truly don't know how people can do it. Just they're on their phone. I, I mean, I have a patient right now, too. He works on his phone 24-7. He doesn't have a laptop, doesn't have a um, wow. uh, iPad. He does everything from his phone. And I'm like, how do you and people he's
1: probably got like people? some major tech neck issues, right? Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> There's some other things we're dealing with, but everything is uh, yeah. that people can do from their phones is mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of been hard too, because a lot of stuff is on my phone too. And so it's like trying to find that work-life balance. And a lot of times it'll look like I'm just like sitting on the couch, scrolling on my phone. I'm like, oh no, I'm actually working right now. Or I'm actually, you know, trying to get clients in this Facebook group, or I'm having this deep combo with this mom about her son who just got diagnosed with autism.
0: And, yeah. you know,
1: I'm not just sitting here growing, like scrolling on Instagram, but that's been a hard Thing for me to manage is that work-life balance. Yes,
0: always. Brie, I like to finish podcast two with an important question because I think um, or a simple but important question because I think healthcare providers, our pers- personal personalities also blend with our professional personalities too. Um, yeah. what motivates you to be a better person or speech therapist?
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think just working with families and just being around kids all day, like that's truly what makes me so happy. And that is like why I do what I do. Like i feel so lucky that I get to go to work and just be around kids. And they're smiling every time I walk in their house. And I'm like, how could I not love my job every day? And then to see progress and then also to like teach parents things and then see like them have those light bulb moments and see them on the floor, interacting with their kids and trying something that I suggested to them and them realizing, Whoa, that actually worked. I think just seeing all of that come together is there's nothing more rewarding than that.
0: And like I said, the, uh, both professional and uh personal personality with Brady, just like everyone that I've talked to so far, it blends. Because yeah. if, if you knew Brady in real life, that's exactly how she is, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, Brady, where can we find more information about you?
1: Um, I have social media, it's all Braxy Speech Therapy. And then my website is Braxyspeechtherapy.com. And I don't know. T- I do have a TikTok, but I don't really post on there. Um, but I am coming out. I do offer one-on-one coaching sessions. If anyone is interested in starting their practice and wants, you know, more like individualized help or like that mentorship, um, you can find that on my website or like in my bio and Instagram. And then I have a private practice guide that's coming out soon too, with kind of like some things that I've learned and step-by-step systems that i put in place. So hopefully that will be helpful for some people too.
0: Awesome. So if there's any speech therapists or people that are interested in being, um, a speech therapist, which I do have one person that I'm going to tell you about, um, who is going to reach out to you about, uh, potentially, you know, just learning more about you. She's going to be done soon, which I almost forgot. I love to, to,
1: it's all about connections and I love to just connect with people or have a zoom call or whatever. That's fun.
0: But uh, Brady, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today for us.
1: Thank you for having me. It was fun.
0: Thank you to Brady for joining us for another interview podcast. I thought that went very well. And she gave a ton of very good and very open responses that I think really drove a really good conversation. So, again, thank you to Brady for joining us for another week's podcast. If anybody has any questions or concerns about the podcast interview we just did with Brady, please reach out to us. As well, if anybody has any interest in potentially coming on a podcast or a potential topic that you want to learn more about on a future podcast, please let us know. We can be reached at one of our four locations, either here in Fox Point, Grafton, McGuanago, or Brookfield. Thank you again for listening to another week's episode of the Freedom Talks podcast. We'll see everybody on the next episode.